As we go about our daily lives, we often encounter practical questions about how to live out our faith in the world. On today's edition of Ask Pastor Mike, we're dealing with the subject of finances and whether or not Christians are required to tithe. Tithing is an Old Testament method of giving back to God a portion of what He's generously provided. But does the concept of tithing still apply to Christians today? Welcome to a special edition of Focal Point. In just a moment, Pastor Mike Fabares will respond to a listener's question about tithing, and he'll offer up some valuable biblical answers about godly giving. I'm your host, Dave Drewy, and now here's Jay Wharton, Executive Director of Focal Point, coming to you from inside the pastor's study. Jay? Thanks, Dave. I'm back here with Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike, we've got a question about giving. And this listener asks, if I'm barely making ends meet, does God still require me to give a regular tithe? Perhaps you could talk about what tithing is and then right. talk specifically to this person's condition. Well, the yeah, let's talk about the tithe for a second, because that's always a question. Tithe means tenth. Okay. In the Old Testament, there were several tithes that you had to give. If you look at those tithes, these were things that you had to pay. They were required. And these were things that went oftentimes to deal with what this nation, this theocracy, required. You had to have taxes. That's another way to look at it. These were the national taxes, which included also the worship tax, if you will, the the tax for taking care of the worship center. Now, on top of all of that, there were the free will offerings, and you see that all throughout the Old Testament. People were deciding based on what they chose to give, they gave a free will offering. So if you look at the Old Testament and you recognize that the tithe, if you look at them rightly, was far more than 10% because there were several of them, and they were given, much like our taxes are, without any option, they were required. Uh, then you recognize, well, wait a minute, I do pay taxes, and if you know, you're know you listening in any normal country, you, you pay those taxes, you have to pay those taxes, but then you go to church and your worship center now needs to be supported, and the Bible would say you need to give. Well, Paul takes that idea of the free will offering and makes that the spirit of New Testament giving. And when he talks about giving, he talks about giving what you've purposed in your heart, Now, how much do I give? That's always the thing people ask. Should I give 10%? Well, 10% was always a great rule of thumb for giving for things that needed to be given, proportional to your income, in the Old Testament when there was a need. So it's not a bad place to go. But to be able to quote Old Testament texts and say, well, that's what's required for us, you know, that's just a bad you know, comparison of apples and oranges there. But I would say, yeah, you need to choose what you give in your heart. And some people say, well, I choose to give nothing. Well, that's not an option, because according to passages like Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, everyone who's in the church is expected to support the ministry of the church. Paul says this to the Corinthians as well, you, you have to pay your pastors and your church and its expenses. Anyone who receives instruction ought to share all good things with his instructor. These are required. The amount, though, should be proportional and a proportion that you have 
purposed in your heart. So that's the bottom line. And I have no problem, I mean, even when I've raised my kids, to give them as a rule of thumb a 10% starting point just to give them an idea of what we're talking about here. We're talking about 1%, talking about 50%, 10% is not a bad place to start. But then I always bring in the principles of sowing and reaping, which Paul often does. And I want my kids to know, and I, of course, have to teach this to myself, too, that I want to give generously, and God loves to use the generous heart to do good things in this world and is very good at restoring the generosity of the generous man, as the Old Testament says. You know, the generous man, you know, he's going to prosper. He himself, if he's refreshing others, will be refreshed. So I want to practice generosity, and that's really what we need to work on as Christians. When it comes to the church, if I'm there, I need to give. Now to our gal's question, right? I'm making no money or hardly any money. Should I give? And I would say, yeah, I would always give to the church ministry that I am receiving spiritual enrichment from, and I would just give proportionately, you know, kind of like the widows might, if you will. The idea of, and I wouldn't suggest that, giving everything, but I would certainly say, even if it's a little amount, God is looking at the act of generosity. You know, if you made one dollar this week, yeah, I'd say, hey, it's a good place to start to think about giving, you know, giving a dime, giving eight cents, giving 12 cents, whatever you choose, but give something. And like my old pastor used to say, some people say, well, I can't afford to give. And his response was always, well, you can't afford not to give because God is looking at generous givers, looking at people that are faithful to the word, which says you must respond in giving to your church. Well, God is always good at blessing those who obey what he said and certainly those who obey it with enthusiasm and are are generous in their giving. So everyone should give. And if you're making zero money, then you have no income to give from right? I get that. But if you have any income, the Bible would prompt you to pray, consider in your own heart what you would purpose to give, and give something. And a great rule of thumb to get started, nothing wrong with using 10% as a general rule of thumb. And certainly we see that 10% uh, even borne out as far back in Genesis when Abraham is giving 10% to Melchizedek. It's something that we see in the Bible. It's a standard proportion, absolutely. It's, yeah. a, it's a good starting point. But what I'm concerned about and what you're hearing me say is I don't think we can pull an Old Testament tithe verse and say, see, you got to give a tithe. Then I'm going to say, well, are you looking at Deuteronomy 12, Deuteronomy 26? Are you looking at Numbers 18? What passage are you looking at here? Because we got to add all these up if you want to use an Old Testament standard. What about did those total? when you look at just before the free will offerings? Well, you know, at least 23%. By the time of Christ, it was even more, 30 34%. It depends on... So a significant portion of your, yes. of your income. Right. And then again, the question would be, what are you going to give over as a free that. will offering over and above that? Right. Which is much like our lives, right? We all get taxed. <laughs> we go to church having to pay our taxes to the government. Well, we're not in a theocracy anymore. We live in you know, a different country. We're in are subject to our rulers. We pay our taxes, Romans 13 says, for our governmental authorities. Now we go to church, and that's about my free will offering. And I'm just saying we need to think of it that way, pray about it, and then give. And like I've said, we want to... Give something, not nothing. It always has to be something. And God is looking at our hearts, not the amount we're giving right? how we're giving. Right. But even that can be a cop-out, right? I don't want to use that as a cop-out. Saying he knows my heart, he knows I make you know million dollars a year, but I only gave you know 
hundred bucks to the church. He knows my heart. Well, yeah, he knows your heart, but what he's seeing in your heart isn't good, right? Because a lot of people, as we've talked about before, they give out of their abundance, and there's never any real sacrifice to that giving. And all I'm saying is, when you are living on a hundred bucks and you give ten bucks, you feel That's a sacrifice. You feel that, right? As a matter of fact, the statistics. I was reading a survey from an Ivy League school on giving, and the more a Christian makes, the less they generally give proportionally. At least that's the national statistic in America. Hmm. And and I think that's not right. It's showing that all that money maybe is making you a bit more greedy because you're looking at that giving and saying, well, that's a lot of money. I could do a lot with that money. And yet when you made half of that, you were given proportionally a lot more. Well, what's with that? You know, There's something going on with your attachment to that money when God would want you to give because in that giving... We're being obedient to the Lord. He's seeing our generosity. And as Paul said, he's able to supply what you need to continue being generous. So we just need to think this through and think it through prayerfully and be generous. And like I tell my wife, you know, when it comes to our family stuff, it's God's stuff. And we always want to be generous because then there's always that situation where there's a neighbor that has a need or someone in our small group who has a need, you know, or dinner this weekend. And should we pick up the tab? I always want to, whenever possible, to exercise generosity. And the more that you do, you find that God responds and supplies the needs. And, uh, you know, you be as generous as you can, as often as you can. It's always something God loves. He loves a, a cheerful, generous giver. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. You have talked about this issue before, and we're going to listen now to a message you gave called Making Sense of Offerings, Tithing, and Temple Taxes. Get your Bibles warmed up. Get them out. Let's start with the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. And let's turn in Exodus to chapter 25. And I want to start with the most fundamental question of all, to whom should we give? That's a good question. I encountered this question this week when my kids, who are now old enough to receive a, a, an allowance, they get their allowance, they're five and seven, and every week I teach them, you got to give some to God, because that's how God would have us uh, you know, deal with money. And so we created a jar not too long ago. Actually, it was when they first started getting a, an allowance, and we put it on their, on their dresser, and we decorated it together, and it says on it, money for God. And so every week they put in money from their allowance, and they throw money in there, and we didn't attend to it for a long time. And so Wednesday, this last Wednesday, I looked at the cup and it's chock full of stuff. There's $1 bills and coins and it's just to the top. And so I said, you know, guys, it's time that we get this, put it in an envelope and we take it to church this weekend and, and we put it in the, in the bag at the, uh, at the church service. And my five-year-old crinkles his brow and he says, but dad, I thought you said we were going to give it to God. <laughs> I said, well, we are. He said, but you said we were going to give it to the church. I said, yeah, that's what I said, but uh, <clears throat> how do you propose we give it to God if you don't want to give it to church? How do we give it to God? Now, I had stumped him on that one, thankfully. It's always <laughs> good to get the upper hand on the five-year-old. And, and uh, he said, okay. And then we ventured into this topic. Because really, here's the real question. As a matter of fact, when you think about giving, we often think we want to give money to God, like my five-year-old says. The problem is, the practicality of it is, when I write a check, here stands between God and I, this church, and the people with their hat out, and they're saying, here, why don't you give us money for God? And, and that's a little disheartening to my five-year-old, and perhaps to a lot of 45-year-olds, when they think about the fact that I'd like to give money to God, but all of a sudden, now you're saying, give it to the church. Now, which is it? Do I give money to the church, or do I give money to God? Well, I don't know how I would give anything to God. How does this work? Great. I'm glad you asked. Exodus chapter 25. Here's the arrangement that God made from the very beginning. Look at verse number one. 
Yahweh says to Moses, the Lord says to Moses, tell the Israelites to, now I want you to circle these words, bring me an offering. Who's he, who's, who are they supposed to bring it to? God. Bring the offering to God. God says, would you have them bring an offering to me? I would like them to bring me an offering. Here comes the trick, though. Next sentence. You, Moses, are to receive the offering for me. And you do it from each man whose heart prompts him to give. Now keep reading, verse 3. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. And he starts a long, lengthy list of things. And he begins with these, gold, silver, and bronze. And I'm thinking to myself, what need does God have for gold, silver, and bronze? Answer, none. He's a spiritual being living in a spiritual dimension. There's no need for physical gold. He doesn't need precious metals out of the mountainside. He's got no need for that. And yet he says, take something that's precious to the people and call them, whoever's prompted to give, to come and give to me. Now you collect it along with a long list of other things, okay? God needs to somehow be seen in the strange confluence of elements that I now can give to God, but what I do is I give it through the agency of God's spiritual leaders. And in this case, it's Moses and Aaron, and come and bring those offerings there and give it to them, and they will utilize it for the worship of the spiritual community. And so that's how it works. And you may say, well, that would be great if you were Moses, but that ain't how it works, right? You're not Moses, so I'm struggling with this. Well, I'm glad. You should. Let's, though, turn to the New Testament passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and this may help. Say, great, if I was giving to the great prophet of the Old Testament, I mean, that would be one thing. But you're asking me to put money in a bag and to give it to these, you know, these pastors, and who knows what about them, and I don't understand. How does this work? Well, look at the parallelism that Paul draws. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse number 13. Let's get a little context here. Don't you know, and he's talking about this Old Testament system, that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple. See, that's how it works. People in the temple that work there and lead the worship there, if they need a, a meal, will they eat the sacrifices and all the food that the people bring as an offering? They get their meals, their food, their money, their resources from the people that come to worship. He says, now you know that, right? Well, yeah, that's how the Old Testament is set up. And those that serve at the altars, even the guys sweeping up after the sacrifices, don't you recognize they share in what's all offered on the altar? I mean, they get their lunches from the sacrifices that were brought. Now, look at the bridge built. Verse 14, here's the punchline. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel, that's New Covenant stuff, people that get up and talk about what God has said and preach the New Testament message, they should receive their living from the gospel. All of a sudden now, he draws the parallel. The Lord says now in the new covenant age, the same kind of thing is to take place. That the spiritual leaders of the community are to be the agency through which you give to God. And therefore I tell my five-year-old, well, here's how it works. I know practically when we put it in that bag, it goes now to church. But in your heart, son, you got the right idea. We're giving it to God. And I find that 45-year-olds, unfortunately, get hung up on the agency, and they lose a little bit of that five-year-old sense of, you know, we give this to God. So the answer to the question, though it's still dichotomized, look at it, to whom should I give? Well, I give to God. But the primary agency, both Old and New Testament, is I give to, practically speaking, the spiritual leaders of, of God's community. And I have to entrust that gift to them, and they utilize it as God leads them. But the idea here is, though, I am giving to God. So I'm honoring God. I'm giving to God. I'm giving things in that bag and in my heart, me and my family, my wife, my kids, we've said we're giving to God, but I understand the practicalities of it. 
Now, there are other agencies through which we can give to God. You do understand. When I give to someone in need, I am also giving to God. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 ought to govern that kind of giving, which says that I got to be really discerning when I give to those that are in need because I am prohibited in Scripture to giving to those that are lazy or, as Paul puts it, who are busybodies. That, that, I know, brings up a load of questions. But the idea is, though it's primary, the leaders of God's people, that's the primary agency of giving to God. There are other agencies, obviously, and I can also give to someone in need and, and say, here, I'm also giving to God, and that becomes a sacred gift as well. Okay, to whom should I give? Primarily to the leaders of God's people. Who am I really giving to? I'm giving to God. So keep that five-year-old, pure, pristine concept of we're giving this money to the God of the universe. Here's a better question for us, perhaps. Why should I give? Let's think through this. Deuteronomy chapter 8 will be helpful. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, here's the context. They're about to go into the promised land. The promised land was a prosperous place. The crops were going to grow. They were going to have bumper crops. It was called poetically the land of milk and honey. And before you go in there, God says you need to be really, really careful that you don't forget where this is all coming from. He says in verse 17 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, you may say to yourself, here's the temptation you might have as you sit around on the front porch of your palatial palace there in, in, in Canaan and everything's going great and you got more than you need. You may think this. You may think my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You may think you did it on your own. Here's the thing you need to do. Verse 18, you need to remember Yahweh, your God. You need to remember the king of the universe. You need to remember the sovereign one. You need to remember the provider of all things. You need to remember God. How do we do that? Well, primarily throughout Deuteronomy, it is giving him an acknowledgement of his provision in my life. And so I give to God. I remember the Lord. I know that's not uh, the only thing in the passage, but certainly includes that. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, verse 18 says. And so he confirms his promise because he promised to do so to them. He swore that to the forefathers as it is today. It's still a standing promise. God gives me the ability to make, whether it's $100 this week or $1,000 this week or whatever you made this week, God gives you that ability. And therefore, here's the first reason, if you want to put something next to Deuteronomy 8, 18, we need to give because we're thankful. We need to give because we acknowledge where it comes from. We need to give as a response to God's gifts to us. There's this reciprocity in our giving. We are saying, God has given to me, and whatever I made this week, however much money was on my paycheck last time, I recognize that God is the provider of these things that he has produced the, the ability in my mind or my hands or my mouth or however you make a living, he has provided that to you. Therefore, I give as an acknowledgement that all this comes from him. It is a thankful gift, okay? First thing we learned, I ought to give because I'm thankful. Why else should I give? Here's another reason. Proverbs 3. Familiar with these verses? Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Very important passages. Let's take a peek at those. This is what I call the, uh, the Walmart principle. I'll tell you why in a minute. Verse 9. Clearly a verse about giving. Honor Yahweh with your wealth. How do you do that? Well, you, you give him part of what you make. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor God with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. He lets crops grow in that agricultural society. He gives you that stuff. You sell it in the marketplace. You feed your family with it. You take some of that and you give it to God. You honor God with your wealth. Now, got to read between the lines, but I'm going to get a principle here out of verse 10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, connect that in your brain with Deuteronomy 8.18. Where does that come from? If my barns are filled, who did that? If the vats are full, who did that? It's not a trick question. God did it. God filled that up. 
Therefore, I'm seeing here that when I honor God with my wealth, there's an increasing reciprocity. Now God again, he's good to me. Okay? Therefore, is that sounding like a, you know, a sermon you've heard on TV lately? Do I give because I get? No. Here's what I want to draw from this. I give because God loves it. That's the Walmart principle. What does that mean? I know. That's still cryptic. Here you go. When I go to Walmart, I got, I got a five and a seven-year-old, and both of them want. That's a big word for them. Want. Want. It's tugging. Dad, Dad, look at that. Ooh, give me bye, 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 me, me, me. Now, not to slander my children. I won't use their names. But I got a kid who's very generous. I mean, he's a generous kid with his candy, with his toys. And then I got another one, and he ain't so generous. He's miser boy. Now, when I'm in Walmart, and I got miser boy asking me for something, and then I got generous boy asking me for something, guess which one my heart is inclined toward? Mr. Stingy, right? Not on your life, baby. We're going to get out bare minimum with Mr. Stingy. Oh, you're welcome into my house. I love you. You're my kid. I'm not, I'm not moving away from you. <laughs> but my heart is not really open towards you because I've watched you all week be a miser with your stuff. Now, Mr. Generous, how do you think my heart feels toward him? Well, it's very open toward him. I watch how he deals with his stuff. He's very generous to others. Birthday party down the street, what can I give from my stuff? These are things I like, and I think, that, and I think to myself, that kid, I need to shovel more in his direction. Now, why do I do that? Because I got some kind of contract with them. You give this much, I give that much to you at Walmart. No, that's not how it works. I give to the generous one more than I give to the stingy one. Why? Because I love when my kids are generous. That's the Walmart principle. Why do I give? Here it comes. I give because God loves it when I give. He loves it. And I do it because he loves it. He likes it a lot when I put something in that bag and I say, here, God, I want to be generous with what you've given me. And now God all of a sudden says, man, I really like that. And he responds in a variety of ways, one of which is to make sure the barns are full and the vats are full. All right. How should I give? How about 2 Corinthians 9, 7? God loves a what kind of giver? cheerful giver. And the words that come before it is not reluctantly and not under compulsion. That means I'm not feeling the spiritual gun to my head. Okay? This is about you and God and you consulting your heart. But once you sense the obligation that God lays on you, you must give. How much should you give? That's between you and God. And when you and God deal with that, all I'm telling you is this. Make sure you get all the compulsion out of the way. Make sure you get all the reluctance out of the way. Make sure you try to consult with your heart long enough to get your heart on board where you say, okay, God, I'm going to do it willingly. I'm going to do it even if I can somehow find it in my heart to give. Here's the word in 1st, 2nd Corinthians 9, 7. Give cheerfully. Get your heart involved in this and make sure that it overpowers all this practical talk and the quicken, you know, screenshots that you see in your head and say, I'm going to give to God. I'm going to give in faith. I'm going to give willingly. I'm going to give wholeheartedly. I'm going to do this. You've got to consult your heart on this matter. When should you give? Well, give off the top. How should you give? You should give cheerfully. You should give willingly. A biblical look at how and why we give. Today's message was part of our regular Ask Pastor Mike segment, and you're listening to Focal Point. To send your own question to Mike Fabares, visit focalpointradio.org or post your question on Facebook at facebook.com slash pastormike. We're also on Twitter. Find us at twitter.com slash pastormike. As Pastor Mike explained today, gratitude and generosity go hand in hand. 
And when we truly realize God's goodness to us, we can't help but be moved to give generously and cheerfully back to God. And you know, one way you can do that is to help more people have access to clear, straightforward teaching from Scripture by supporting the Focal Point Ministry. To donate by phone, call us at 888-320-5885, or you can go to focalpointradio.org. And when you give today, we have a wonderful book we'd like to send to you to express our thanks. It's titled The Pursuit of Excellence by George Sweeting. In this book, Dr. Sweeting shares stories of excellence from faith heroes of the past and present. And he'll teach you how to break down the barriers standing in your way and press on even when it's difficult. This book will encourage you to pursue Christ passionately and with your whole self. You can also request The Pursuit of Excellence when you send your donation by mail. Our address is Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. And when you contact us, please consider joining our team of monthly supporters called Focal Point Partners. As a partner, your regular support plays a crucial role in helping us plan for the future and make an even greater impact for Christ through this ministry. So sign up today, won't you, when you call 888-320-5885 or go online to focalpointradio.org. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, wishing you a great weekend. Come back next week to hear more clear, hard-hitting Bible teaching from Pastor Mike Fabares right here on Focal Point. This program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.